everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm your host. I'm a Senior Director of Valuation Services at CFGI. In my world, business value and business measure, business, I can speak for a living, business value and business performance is measured by the numbers. Well, savvy executives know that uh, usually there's more to the story. And this is the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today we're going to be talking about the strategies that one can employ to grow their business. And we're going to be talking with my special guest, Charles Robbins, Managing Director of Fairmount Partners. Charles, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, David. Great to have you here. Why don't Same. you tell the audience a little bit about your impressive background, and then we'll jump into the topic. Well, don't know about the impressive part, but uh, uh, so currently I'm Managing Director at Fairmount Partners, where I run the technology practice. My history started as a, uh, a bit of an academic, so I went through school very quickly. I was in the uh, computer software industry in the mid-70s when it was a new term, and then for about 20 years was an entrepreneur and uh, built businesses, helped build them, helped turn them around, took a company public uh, named Rabbit Software many years ago, which we ended up selling. Uh, and after doing that for a long period of time, ended up making the transition to the, uh, to the dark side, <laughs> where uh, we currently work with uh, aspiring growth companies at various sizes to, uh, to show them how to generate the maximum success and how to position themselves, and then ultimately, uh, in some cases, they buy things or they sell the business. Yeah. And we're going to talk about maximizing value and their success stories. Sure. But before we do, talk a little bit about Fairmount Partners. That's got an interesting uh, history of its own. Yeah, it's it got a, actually, in effect, a longer history than just its own. But starting with Fairmount, uh, that platform's been around for 15 years now. And uh, we are a, a specialist investment bank, that is, a specialist international investment bank. I should be clear on that. So we have, uh, what we do is we help companies with strategy, but a great deal of our work is in buying and selling businesses. So M&A, buy and sell side, some strategy, and then some financings, uh, typically from private equity. We've closed about 220 transactions in the 15 um, years. At this point, we close circa 20 transactions a year. And uh, we've done it in a, over 20 countries, so, um, we span a pretty wide area. Uh, before Fairmount, we were the U.S. corporate finance arm for a company called uh, Investec, which is based out of the U.K., and uh, Neil McCarthy and I were co-heads of U.S. corporate finance for that uh, organization. It's quite a large uh, organization, a multi-billion dollar company. And then prior to that, we, had, uh, we were principals in a company called PMG Capital, which uh, we grew to about 150 people and in those days was one of the top three in the world at, um, at taking companies public in the technology arena at the lower middle market. That was an era when a $20, 30000000 million tech company could, uh, could go public uh, and there were institutions that had interest in those kinds of stocks. Today, the world has changed quite a bit. That, that, that's covered by uh, more private equity groups, but in those days, uh, that's what we were doing. And a lot of the... Um, techniques, methodologies, philosophies that evolved that we use today at Fairmount started uh, during that era because we were working with so many um, uh, aspiring companies and we learned how to reverse engineer and see the patterns of what made companies successful when they were successful what, 
and obviously when, when they didn't do certain things, what happened? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so. let's, let's jump into that. Sure. Because uh, I know when we were talking before we went on the air here, um, you were alluding to the, the values, the drivers of value, and it, it's not necessarily the numbers, which is obviously fascinating and yeah. uh, dovetails nicely with the name of the program. So let's talk about that, Charles. Yeah, yeah and, and obviously it always turns into numbers sure. in the end, so there's always a model and a belief. But what I, what I like to do, because I work with a lot of um, companies and I explain to them how to view this, and often it's pretty transformative for them. So the first thing I usually uh, try to talk about uh, which seems a bit oblique, but is if somebody is investing in a business, what are they looking to get out of it? Because once you understand that, you can start to reverse engineer how to position your company to be exciting, or in fact, how to run it to be exciting. They're all one continuum. So the first thing is to, to recognize for anybody who's not been in a, a professional investor, that a, uh, an investment fund, a professional investor, is looking to get an overall return over a five-year period of two to three X on the money they put into something. Yeah, multiple of their investment. Correct. And they have failures. So depending on the stage of a company, they need to get a lot more than two to three X on paper for each investment because they wanted to net across 10 or 20 of them. So if companies are more mature, maybe that's four or five X. If they're less mature, uh, young companies, that could be as much as 10 X. So if uh, somebody's investing um, $3 million into a company for a third of the business at an earlier stage, they may want to see how that $3 million is worth $30 million. And uh, why is this important? Because it really brings to mind immediately that the best way to look at a business, if you're looking to ultimately sell it, raise capital, or optimize it, is with a five-year window to look at what you're investing in today and what's the value in the future. All right. So then the question becomes, well, how, what drives that value in right. the future? Um, now, there are plenty of businesses that are um, steady state. You know, they, they exist in a market. They drive a certain amount of profits, EBITDA. Yep. Um, they grow at a pretty steady rate. You know, maybe it's 10% a year or whatever. And um, companies like that, you can figure out pretty clearly how to value them depending on how scarce the properties are, how hot the space is. But nonetheless, you, you know, people will talk about a five or six times multiple for businesses that are sort of steady state. It depends on margins. Um, if they're growing faster, then it goes up. If there's more mass, you know, you get to 100 million or 50 to 100 million starts going up, a billion goes up, you, you add a turn or two. And that's all basic mathematics, right? I mean, mathematics and studying what other companies are being valued at. Because I work a lot with uh, technology companies, I do live in a different world because I live in the world of things that are transformative, something new, something that hasn't been uh, done before. And uh, what we've learned is that applies to those companies. It also can apply to almost any company. A and here's how it works. Um, in order to get value beyond whatever the mathematics of the moment would seem, Seem. And let me be clear about this, uh, just, just on a quick tangent. If I'm selling a business, the buyer will try to put value on it based on the mathematics, the way I just described it. Right. Uh, they'll look at their own synergy value, what they can do with the asset. Okay, so th there, there may be a much greater value they can derive. They won't want to give it. Sure. Right. Um, part of what this does is starts to unlock those uh, conversations. So the first thing 
to look at is if I have a business today, um, a simple way to say it is how would I double or triple it in five years? Um, how would I define it in its market, not just in terms of what it's doing today, but in terms of its assets and how they can be levered in order to create something much bigger and better, either as part of something else or if you raise money? Um, and to look at that, clearly, we define something we call P and 5Ms. Um, we, we've learned that if you understand each of these elements that I just alluded to, the P and the 5Ms, you can design your business well, you can operate it well, and you can present it well. Um, so if you're interested... Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. I think yeah. we have about maybe two minutes to go in this first segment. So sure. do you sure. want to start with the P? Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, the P stands for positioning. Um, and here's how it works. Whatever business you're in, now again, specifically technology businesses, but this could apply probably anywhere. The question is, is there a new opportunity in the market? Has emerging or evolving technology, has evolving um, market forces, regulation, opened up something new? We call that greenfield or white space. Yeah. So is there a white space area? Then the next uh, element of it is to say, is there something unique that we have or that we could easily have, given our core competencies, that would allow us to create a new generation solution that is considerably better than what's been done before in that white space or greenfield area? From there, you go on to say, okay, is there a, uh, a minimally viable product, an MVP, that could be generated that would prove that um, that positioning um, is unique? And then is there a value proposition that is uh, completely clear so that you can define what we call buyer personas? Who are the people that would want to buy this that would recognize the benefits of this new solution? So if you can say the new solution has these incremental benefits because it's a new generation applying things in a different fashion and you can identify the personas and the value proposition then you're in a position to go to the next steps, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, in, break. In, yeah. in a little bit. But I think when we were talking before the program uh, in terms of this positioning, the dirt devil vacuum, is that I, a I love to tell that story. Do we have time before the break? Can you do break? it in 60 seconds? I'll try. Okay. All right. So if you go back to the, the vacuum, people usually know the dirt devil, so sure. I like to tell this story. If you go back to the vacuum cleaner market before the dirt devil, you would see it was a very crowded market. Everything that needed to be done was being done. If you went in with a business plan or a strategy that said, I'm going to build a new vacuum cleaner, people would have called you, you know, foolish. Right. Um, along comes some new technology, micro motors, certain battery technology, whatever. And uh, a company comes along and says, we can reinvent what a vacuum cleaner is. It's a new generation. And we say we can make it smaller, lighter, you know, maybe battery operated. They then go on to say, the, the buyer persona, well, who would buy this? Well, how about people with minivans, young mothers or families with uh, minivans or people with garages or whatever? And pretty soon it's pretty clear that there's a whole list of buyer personas that at a certain price point would pay gladly yeah. for this unit. That's, once you've done that, you can then do your calculation and figure out what your magnitude of opportunity is. But it should be obvious yeah. and intuitive that this is exciting. As soon as you hear it, you say, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, and as a consumer, I never knew I needed one, but as soon as I saw it, I wanted one. And the, the beauty is you can reverse engineer that kind of thinking. That's We're exactly talk what about we do. That. But before we go to the break, how can people contact you, Charles, if they want to learn more about you or the firm? Yeah, uh, the best way is, uh, so the firm is Fairmount Partners, 
and um, that's with a U, so uh, that F-A-I-R-M-O-U-N-T, partners.com. Uh, we have a website. Um, I'm there. Uh, all our principals are there, and my email address is there. So if anybody wants to uh, get some help in this area, yeah, they can check out the website. They can check us out. Yeah, that's Sounds the easy good. way. All right. On that note, then, Charles, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick commercial break, pay a few bills, and we'll be right back <laughs> and behind the numbers. the clock I gotta get stuff done so when I need a snack I need something healthy tasty and easy to eat like wonderful pistachios without the shells they're protein powered delicious and great on the go and that's perfect for me a woman without a lot of time Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the freshest locally sourced ingredients to please everyone who loves great food. Our organic meats, quality seafood, and free-range poultry are cut fresh to order. Chefs create culinary-inspired prep foods made fresh every day, which pair nicely with our vast selection of fine wines and spirits. Choose from handmade pastas, artisan cheeses, organic produce, and grocery items, all from the finest purveyors. Rostelli Market Fresh, from our family to yours. RVN TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN TV shows monthly. We guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder and today we're talking about the drivers of business value with Charles Robbins, managing partner at Fairmount Partners. Uh, before the break, Charles, you mentioned something about the, the one P and the five M's, but specifically you talked about reverse engineering a business model to understand value drivers. Let, let's touch on that a little bit more if you would. Yeah, if you look at the history of this, and, and you know, my, if you go back to my um, scholastic days, I was a mathematician, I was a PhD research fellow, and 
So I have a natural instinct to tear things apart and figure out how they work and build them up. So in the early days of PMG, um, uh, we, we worked with tons and tons of these kind of tech companies. And as I mentioned, I had formed companies, so I raised money from venture capitalists and started looking at that's what an are the- point, I hate to interrupt you, but that's an important point for folks who are watching. You've got the perspective of being on the other side of the table. Yeah, I was um, the academic or the scientist, you know, the guy that would invent the product. I was the guy that raised money. I was the business guy that ran and turned around these businesses and then ultimately went over to the Wall Street side where I acted as a, uh, an analyst on the, on the side where we would take companies and tear them apart. So learned uh, what uh, institutional investors listened for and cared about knew what mattered on the other side, looked at operations, and iteratively, and it didn't come overnight, it took a couple of decades, but I've been doing this now for, you know, 30, 40 years, um, you start seeing the patterns, and then when the patterns became clear enough, started to put structure on the patterns, and then wrote a couple of articles, and forced, it to, forced myself to sharpen the thinking, and then ultimately we came to this P and 5M's approach, which obviously we're just talking about on a surface level, of course, each of these yeah. things breaks down and down. But what it does is it codifies the ability to take any business, look at it, and say, okay, let's tear it apart, let's look at it, let's look at what we're trying to do with it, let's see where the gaps are. And we call that a gap analysis. So again, I'm giving a surface picture of sure. what drives it, but then breaking it down and breaking it down, we have a whole methodology to figure that out. Right. So we talked about the P. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's dive into the five M's. Yeah. So the next one to talk about, and, and let me just uh, say the five M's, and every time I do it, I always forget one, but we'll, we'll get it. Um, so it's moat, market, model, management, momentum. And by the way, some of them sound obvious like management, but each has stuff under it, as you'll see. Yeah, and yeah, folks who want to learn more will visit your website. Yeah, that's and we'll, fine. We'll get back to that. That's fine. But yeah, which are the important ones that you want to touch on first? Well, so let's talk about moat. We talked about the P of positioning. Yeah. So that, just to say it again, that means I've got something unique. It's next generation. There are people that would want to buy it. Um, and it's sort of intuitive why what we've done is a breakthrough. You know, why, so in other words, why us and nobody else? You know, there's an answer. Yeah. You get that right, somebody is instantly, and you know, either you as an operator or your audience is going to be excited because just like the Dirt Devil story, it's pretty obvious there's something there. It feels like there's a there. All right, the next thing is moat. Are you two years ahead or not? Can you get two years ahead or not? And can you stay two years ahead indefinitely? Mm. That's the moat um, question. Some people call it barriers. You know, these yeah. terms evolve. There are two sides to it. One is, uh, what's your intellectual property position in terms of whatever the new thing that we talked about in the P um, that makes it possible for somebody not to take it away from you once they see, hey, that's a good idea. You built your dirt devil. Someone else is going to build your dirt devil. Do you have patents? Do you have know-how? Do you, do you have, if it's software, have you spent years building it? What's the, uh, the barrier? The other side of moat is um, a roadmap. Because you can build the best product in the world, but if, if here it is, here's the best product, and there's no further innovation mm -hmm. to be done on that that people would actually care about, and you just do a blue version and a yellow version, then you could do well if you get a big market share, but you're going to have trouble holding on to it in the long run. So it's always best if you have a roadmap 
that says, hey, I can put people to work for the next 10 years to keep, to keep going and going yeah. and going. All right, so that's moat. If you can get moat um, locked in, then you go back to P. Hey, I've got a new generation solution. Sounds really exciting. Hey, nobody else but I can dominate this market. So there's greenfield opportunity, new product. I'm in a dominant position. That's, that's what, where we are so far in the logic chain. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Can I ask you a quick question about that, though, at the risk of not getting to the rest of the M's? But fine. in my world, I work with business owners, entrepreneurs, public companies as well. And you know, one of the things we need in valuation analysis is a long-term forecast, even just five years, maybe even three years. Right. And it's so hard for them to look into their crystal ball into the future, the near term. How, how do you coach a business to look that far ahead in your world. Okay, and um, I'm going to suggest, I'm going to, hopefully the time will permit, if we talk about the next M, which is market, and then model. Okay. The, the model in particular is dead on with what you're saying, but you need market for Very me nice. to answer Let's it. Let's do it. So market, it's pretty straightforward. You defined your buyer persona and the value proposition during the P phase. Okay, how many of those are there? All right, so let's say they're, you know, dirt devil, you know. So. I don't know what the number was. There's a million people that could buy it. Maybe only 500,000 ever will. And each of them, each dirt devil sells for $100. You multiply X times Y, you get Z. And there might be three or four personas, segments, and you, you do the math, you add it up. This is beginning to answer your question. And this is where the, the magic starts to happen. If the market you've defined for this unique product where you are the first in, in a white space area, and you have a mode, I'm saying that purposely, is defined within a market that's uh, hundreds of millions of potential dollars. It's zero today because it's a new product. But um, then there's a theory that you should be able to take over time, over, hold on to at least 10 or 15% of that market as it emerges. So if it's a $500 million potential market and you've got something truly wonderful that people want to buy and we've described it, and you take 10 or 15%, I don't mean take because you're starting with 100%, yeah. but hold on over the years to 10 or 15%, you've built a 50 or $75 million business. And here's the key to market. What investors want and what a business person should crave is what we call an uncapped market opportunity. In other words, the unbridled potential to grow the business as quickly as the physics the bottom-up physics of adding people and marketing and all the hard stuff you do, um, it, you're unbridled by the size of the market. You could grow as big as you wish to. Said otherwise, uh, is it possible to build a $100 million business with this new thing I'm doing? Again, this could apply in a bigger company to a new product line. The answer should be hell yes, you know, because of that mathematics. So far, so good? Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, a $3 billion market is better than a $300 million market. And if the thing's too small, you look at market adjacency. So again, there's lots of technique to work on this uh, until you get it right, because that's the key to growing a, a, creating a growth business. Okay, now to your, uh, I think more directly to your point, model. Um, so yeah, we, we uh, most people that model an existing business go forward a couple of years and then they lose acuity and they say there's no way I can I can predict um, what will happen and that's true and when people review models they're going to zero in on the first year out because you can look at the funnel and the yeah. momentum indicators some of the other topics we haven't talked about having said that if you come at it the way we're talking about and you've defined your new market your opportunity the magnitude and that it's emergent and you're trying to demonstrate the potential 
then um, there's a thesis, first of all, I already said, if you think you can hold on to 10 or 15% share, there's at least a theory of what might be possible over five years uh, if the market emerges. That sort of gives you a, a general sense of potential magnitude. Then you can go to work on building your go-to-market strategy. So within the model section, a big part of it is go-to-market strategy. Are you going to sell directly? Are you Are going to go through channels? What's the mechanism you're going to reach these buyers that want to pay? What's the mathematics? What support resources do you need? What R&D resources are required? What, um, whatever other costs might be contained. So you start to build out your business model. And, um, and you, you've got a sense of the magnitude of potential, and you drive the numbers forward. And then there's something we call pressure testing. There is no such thing. This is going to, I won't go into detail today because it, it'll, two it'll to take too yeah. long. Yeah. There, there's no such thing as one model because models have probabilities. Right. And so we believe that you build two or three cases. We may have a base case, a goal case, and a plan case. Uh, we may have an investment case. And when you've done it as many times as we have uh, done it, thousands of cases, different companies, first of all, if you build the models the right way and you tune the assumptions so that there's concrete assumptions, they're built the right way that somebody can review, and you tune them, you can tell the difference between a 50% probable model, a 75%, and a 90%. And without belaboring it, once you have those models built, a person with enough experience, this is the art side of it, yeah. can go in, somebody like me, and look at those models and ask uh, penetrating questions, and you find unbelievable information uh, and questions to ask about how to tune the business to be effective. So the long story short is the technology of doing this a certain way, building the models a certain way, and then pressure testing the models and the assumptions throughout a certain way has provably created results for big companies that are looking what to do with the division, with activist investors trying to figure out is an asset worth it, or for growth companies trying to figure out how to position to optimize their value in a market. It works. Um, as I say, I wouldn't have known it would work until we iterated this uh, a few hundred times over a decade or two, but we right. refined it and, and it, it actually works. So for our viewers who want to learn more about you or the firm, Charles, again, how can they contact you? Yeah, again, I think the best way is Fairmount Partners is the name of the firm with a U uh, in Fairmount. And um, if you go on the website, um, our principals are there. And uh, I'm Charles Robbins. You find me and uh, my contact information's there. And uh, Be sure to check uh, it out. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Time does fly very yeah, quickly here behind the numbers. We learned an awful lot. Hopefully you'll come back again, Charles, Be happy and to. fill us in on the rest of the M's and, and more beyond. Anything for you, David. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for watching Behind the Numbers. Today my guest was Charles Robbins, the managing partner at Fairmount Partners, and we'll see you again next time. Take care.